center and Sandin. These two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire at the center. Sandin, rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Larry Colmas on NBC calling last year's Kentucky Derby the surprise of all surprises as 80-something to one Rich Strike crosses the wire first, drawing into the race the week of. And uh, don't know if we'll see a similar scenario this year, but uh, let's get to it. Our annual Kentucky Derby preview. Always appreciate our guest here squeezing us in. It's Joe Christoffect, the lead racing analyst at Churchill Downs. How are you, Joe? I'm good. Busy week. Uh, we got the draw done today, which is uh, a big item across off the list. You know, you, you handicap the race once you know or have a pretty good idea of who's going to be in. But now you can really dig into it when you get those past performances. You get the morning line odds. Most importantly, you get the post position so you can kind of visualize how you think it might play out. And I can guarantee you one thing, Brady, uh, short of a guarantee. <laughs> there won't be a 45 and one opening half this year, and there won't be an 80 to one winner. That was uh, extremely circumstantial, and there isn't nearly as much early pace signed on as last year. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of different horses that can win, and we'll get into it. But I got a feeling it's going to be a lot more formful. Yeah, I think the the pace scenario as I was, you know, preparing for this and, and taking a look at some of the the top contenders, you know, a lot of them seem to like to come off the pace. So, um, you know, we'll see if it can be stolen on the front end, something we'll dive into. Uh, a, a couple uh, days ago, you posted your, your top 10 on Twitter. So that's kind of what I wanted to focus on as far as, you know, previewing some of the top contenders here. Um, all the news and all the attention had been on Forte coming into you know, the month of April, the, the prep season, right? He's your two-year-old champion, the Breeders' Cup winner, uh, the Breeders' Cup juvenile. Uh, back in November, you and I jumped on and did a Breeders' Cup preview, and, and you mentioned that, you know, the juvenile isn't always the strongest of fields, but but that particular field was, and sure enough, here's Forte, the morning line favorite at 3-1 to one for the Kentucky Derby. Deserving favorite, no question about it. He's done nothing wrong particularly in his two-turn races where he's a perfect four for four. It's some question about the pedigree. You would have never guessed that a, a son of violence would be the favorite going a mile and a quarter. He's uh, been a very good stallion, but a sprint stallion his entire second career. This horse likes to come from off the pace, but he's a little bit more tactical than some of the other deeper closers. Irad Ortiz has yet to win a Kentucky Derby, but Todd Pletcher's won two. Uh, Pletcher's had many, many years of being represented in the Derby, and he has never had a hand as strong as he does this year with not only Forte, but Tappet Trice and also Kings Barnes, who I'm sure we're going to touch on. Forte, the deserving morning line favorite, uh, but you very well know this, Brady. This is a gambling game. As a public handicapper, he will not be my top pick, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised at all if he won. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you said it. He is probably the deserving favorite. Um, that that Florida Derby, um, he drew an outside post, you know, similar to what he's got this year. Although, you know, this year in the Kentucky Derby from 15, he'll have plenty more time to negotiate 
uh, position. And, I mean, you can't ask for a better jockey than Erod Ortiz. Uh, in the Florida Derby, he barely got there in the last 16th, 16th of a mile. Um, watching that race, were you thinking, okay, maybe he's not for real, but then all of a sudden he runs Mage down? Yeah, I mean, I think he's as for real as for real can be. It's just, you know, like I said, from a from a gambling perspective, he certainly isn't a standout above five or six of the other ones that I like as much that are going to be a much better price. The Florida Derby, to me, you know, going the mile and an eighth distance, he looked like he might get beat. You know, Mage is in the Kentucky Derby as well and as a wise guy horse for a lot of people because he broke slowly that day, made that huge move on the turn, held the lead in the deep stretch, and then was caught by Forte. So, I mean, I'm certainly not against the Florida Derby effort or against Forte, but again, you know, you're looking at value. You're looking at the potential pace scenario. You're looking at who might get the mile and a quarter more successfully than some of the others. And Forte checks a lot of boxes, but he doesn't check the value box for me. Yeah, definitely not. But one who might, and I'm I'm not sure what your reaction was when you saw him pop up at 12 to 1. He's ranked number one on your your top 10, Joe. That's Kings Barnes. Uh, Jose Ortiz gets the mount 12 to 1 in the morning line, breaking from post number six. I mean, there's positives and negatives with this horse. The obvious negatives are didn't race at two. And uh, that was always a longstanding, you know, curse that uh, Justify broke a couple of years ago and then wound up winning the Triple Crown. And he only has three races. The positives are he's never lost. He has a high cruising speed, but doesn't need to be on the lead. He won the Louisiana Derby gate to wire, albeit a slow pace up front, but he earned his fastest late pace rating from Brist that uh, particular race. He won pretty convincingly. And that was a mile and three sixteenths with a long stretch. That race is going to most replicate what we're going to see at Churchill Downs going a mile and a quarter. And like you said, he's 12 to one in the morning line. Uh, Drew, an inside post compared to some of the other horses that have speed drawn to his outside. And, you know, post positions are post positions. They mean something, but you really don't know what's going to happen when those horses break out of the starting gate. This horse gets away cleanly, doesn't need to make the lead, can kind of sit second, third, fourth, fifth early on, but in a forward position. He just has a high cruising speed. And I just think there's no reason to think that he's not going to run another big race and maybe even take a step forward. Yeah, and as as you mentioned, lightly raced, but does seem to break well, which I think is going to work in his favor. I, I know, you know, my philosophy in handicapping the Kentucky Derby has more often than not been to find a horse that's going to be in the top half of the field and, and Kings Barnes might fit just that. Um, you know, I know it was finally made official, officially official today that, that Jose gets the mount. Was there anything to read into, you know, not knowing who was going to take that mount until the day of the draw? Well, that's a good question, but it's an easy one to answer. So I read Ortiz is on Forte. He's not going to give up that mount. And 
Louis Sias is on tap at Trice. He's not going to give up that mount. So when you've got these prep races that are run at different venues, different weeks, you know, you can get uh, Flavion Pratt on Kings Barnes. He's committed to Angel of Empire. Louis Sias rode the horse on debut. He's committed to Tapa Trice, who's won, you know, multiple graded stakes at this point. The reason Todd Pletcher waited so long to name a rider on Kings Barnes is because you never know what's going to happen. What if Luis Saez, you know, becomes open because something happens to Tapa Trice or Irad Ortiz becomes open because something happens to Forte or something happens to Angel of Empire? You got to wait till the last minute. That's exactly what Todd did. We all know that Jose Ortiz is a more than capable rider. And uh, again, with a horse like this with high cruising speed, you know, he's not the most difficult horse to ride. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. And, and when you explain it like that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned a, a couple of jockeys who were involved back in 2019 when maximum security was DQ'd. Um, Flavian Pratt is credited with, credited with the Derby win. I'm sure he'd like to finish the finish the race first this time, or at least cross the wire first aboard Angel of Empire, uh, one of four Brad Cox runners in this race. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure Brad Cox would like to win the Derby the right way too, because he technically has a Derby win with Mandaloon. Um, you know, I've said this several times in different places, but, you know, Brad Cox, had such a strong hand going into the points races for the Derby from the two-year-old, you know, September races all the way up and through the Lexington, the final prep. And if you would ask them, you know, January, February, who his best three-year-old, uh, three-year-old was, it wasn't going to be Angel of Empire. This is a $70,000 classic empire who has marginal pedigree. Brad's got a lot of blue blood horses in his stable, you know, Godolphin, et cetera. Chadwell, and this horse has just really proven himself. You look at the Risen Star, and there was a fast pace in that race, and it, the race kind of collapsed. None of the speed horses hung around. He was able to get up in just the nick of time, and you could say, oh, well, it was a fast pace race collapsed. He might not be legitimate. Allows him to go off at odds of 5-1 to one in the Arkansas Derby, a race in which he ran even better. I mean, he made a scintillating move on the turn, made the lead at the top of the stretch, and extended it to the wire. This is not a horse that necessarily needs to run at a target and, you know, nail him right on the wire. He proved that in the Arkansas Derby. He keeps getting better and better. He's a closer, but he showed a little bit more tactical speed at Oaklawn Park. I really like him. I don't know if he'll be my top pick. Still leaning towards a little bit of a softer pace scenario and a horse that's going to be up a little bit closer to it. But uh, there's no reason to think that Angel of Empire won't run huge. You mentioned uh, Brad Cox's other runners. Verifying's one of those. He gets Tyler Gaffleone, uh, a jockey incredibly familiar with Churchill Downs. Uh, during the, um, the draw show today, what, what was it, like four straight riding titles? Maybe, I, maybe I'm misremembering there. Well, actually, Luis Saez won the title in November. Okay. But Tyler, I think, has won eight of them overall. And he kind of grabbed the baton away from Corey Lannery, who has, I believe, over 20 titles wow. at Churchill Downs. 
And, you know, Tyler's only 28 years old. He's already got 2,000 wins. He's got a Preakness win on his resume. And uh, you said it, he knows Churchill Downs better than anybody. I think the biggest loser in the draw was verifying. He's got natural speed. He's got a lead from post position number two. That doesn't do him any favors. Uh, it doesn't mean that he can't get a clean break and get good position in and out of that first turn. And if he does, he might be in a great ground-saving position in that first flight of horses. That is a possibility. This is a horse that keeps improving. He was super game when he barely lost to Tappa Trice in the bluegrass, one of the fastest preps we've seen this derby season. Um, I definitely give him an outside shot. The uh, the weather forecast has improved, actually, in Louisville. I've been paying attention to it, as I'm sure anybody handicapping this race, uh, you know, for Friday and Saturday, for the Oaks and the Derby, of course. But, um, you know, the, looking back at the Rebel Stakes, um, you know, sloppy Oaklawn track, he found himself early on in great position in that race, but then find, found himself behind a wall of horses. He kind of tossed that one a little bit, maybe? Absolute toss. Yeah, I don't hold that race against them at all. Sloppy track. You know, the winner was confidence games. You know, we'll probably get to him in a little bit. He was a big long shot that day, you know, and didn't have a great trip, like you said. And, you know, if he bounces back in the bluegrass the way he does, you got to utilize that race as a much better gauge than the, uh, than the Rebel. Well, you mentioned confidence game, and I know you had James Graham on your show, the morning show, a couple days ago. So what was it like talking to James, and uh, what, what was his thoughts on the horse? This is the horse that's the most difficult to evaluate in the entire Kentucky Derby for a lot of different reasons. He won the Rebel in the slop after being beaten pretty soundly in a couple of the preps earlier on in the year. And then we haven't seen him since, at least in a, in a paramutual horse race. In the modern era, no horse has won off of a layoff as long as he's going to go into the Derby with. He has great pedigree. His dam is a half-sister to Zenyatta, but yet he cost only 25000 at auction. So this horse must add some major physical issues to have that kind of pedigree and only cost $25,000 at auction. And when you see the spacing of his races, you kind of maybe understand why. That being said, no horse has been more impressive in the mornings than confidence game. He had a mile work. He had another big work, uh, five furlongs just the other morning. So he's kind of a buzz wise guy horse, but then again, he's never proven it against this caliber of competition on a fast track. He melted down in the paddock before the rebel and he still won. What's he going to do when he faces $150,000, 150,000 screaming fans at Churchill? Uh, we won't know until Saturday, but man, he's the biggest, Outside of maybe Derma Sotagake, confidence game is the biggest uh, could-go-either-way horse. You mentioned the paddock, and I know uh, it's a temporary paddock as the, the paddock is still under construction there. Does that, does that change things from past derbies and how horses might have to deal with crowds? Yeah, I think it probably helps them a little bit. There's not going to be nearly as many people down by that paddock, for one. 
for two, it's super spacious there. Super spacious. I don't think it'll have an effect in a negative way. If anything, it'll help the horses a little bit. Um, but again, it's that entire atmosphere from the walkover from the barn, walking in front of all those people, getting in the paddock and being like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> right. Going out to my old Kentucky home to the warm up, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the trainers are just praying that their horses handle it. And, uh, Confidence game, like I said, didn't uh, do very well with that aspect of uh, the mental side of the game and the Rebel, but he still won. Practical move in from California, 10 to 1 in the morning line. Ramon Vasquez gets the mount. He's the Santa, Aner uh, Santa Anita Derby winner uh, last time out. Um, just, just barely held off a couple of rivals there. Uh, this horse might be a little bit closer up than Forte. Maybe you give him first run. Yeah, he should be forwardly placed for sure. I think uh, Yachtin's other horse, Reincarnate, is um, going to go. I would think either he or Jace's Road would be the pace setter with King's Barnes verifying practical move, confidence game, maybe sitting, you know, back half of the first flight, so to speak. Practical move, you know, he lost the first, what, four races of his career? And he's rattled off three consecutive graded stakes wins. Those California preps were pretty good, particularly the most recent one, as far as the depth and the quality of the fields go. Should get the right trip, might be good enough. I mean, another worth at 10 to 1, that is uh, really difficult to dismiss. We talked about the bluegrass earlier. Tappet Trice was the one who won that race uh, with Luis Saez aboard. He keeps Luis Saez this time. Uh, what do you think of Tappet Trice? I think Luis Sai is going to be really tired after the Derby. <laughs> uh, this is a horse you, you got to ride. You got to keep his mind in the game the entire way around. How does that play out in a 20 horse Kentucky Derby field? If he somehow works a miracle, great trip. I think he's got as much, if not more stamina than any horse in the field. And is, that's obviously going to play really well going a mile and a quarter and play even better at Belmont Park in five weeks, going a mile and a half, where you're not going to have a 20-horse field. Um, I think Tapatrice is the most likely Belmont winner. I don't trust him mentally. I don't trust his ability to weave his way through traffic in the Derby, particularly with uh, a somewhat inside post. Would I be surprised if he won? No, he's certainly talented enough to win. But in these kinds of situations, you need to – Weigh the positives versus the negatives versus the price. And um, not, not saying that I'm taking a stand against Tappet Trice, but to me there's enough negatives versus the 5-1 to one morning line price for me to look elsewhere. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's telling me that, that, my, it's telling me that my eyes for, for watching racing is, is getting better because uh, the, the one note I have really about Tappet Trice is you know, he doesn't break well. And he doesn't, he's got to be encouraged to get engaged into the race. And I think with a race, you know, as you mentioned, like the Kentucky Derby, it's the most unique race in America. Um, you know, he's going to be, you know, if he's slow to break, doesn't get into the race early, he's going to be behind a wall and that might take him out of it uh, entirely. Um, two fills. Let's, let's talk about two fills. He's, uh, you know, got a lot of local connections for us here in Chicago. Anybody who follows racing uh, in Chicago, knows the name Larry Ravelli. 
They know the name Jareth Loveberry. Uh, have you had a chance to sit down with Larry at all and, and talk about two fills? Uh, as far as man-to-man in a sit-down, no. But we, we've, we've talked on the phone a lot. We traded a lot of texts. Uh, Larry and I are good friends. I've, I've become pretty good friends with Jared Loveberry, too, from uh, his last couple of seasons riding at Fairgrounds. You work in this game long enough, Brady, you, uh, and you know, man, you've owned horses with your dad. You root for people, right? So this is the biggest race in the world. Larry's got a very legitimate contender in two fills. And if he were to win the race, I I couldn't even imagine how happy I would be for him. Uh, Lisa, his girlfriend, who's worked at Hawthorne and Arlington for a long, long time. Uh, Jareth, who, you know, is a really good rider. A lot of people don't know a lot about because his success has come at, you know, smaller venues, Illinois, you know, before that, even places like Mountaineer, uh, did really well at fairgrounds the last couple of seasons, class act, really good rider. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'd like to see him win because of my connection to the people involved. This horse made the first move into a fast pace in both the LeCompte and the Risen Star. Made the lead in the stretch in both races. And then in the Jeff Ruby stakes at Turfway, he waited a little bit longer to make his move. And that was maybe the most impressive prep win we've seen. It got the highest Brisnet speed rating of 107. But that's a synthetic all-weather track. Is he going to perform as well at Churchill? Now, he does have a stakes win here already, but it came in the slot. So he didn't get a great draw. What did he draw? Post three, I think? Yeah, he's three, correct. Not a great draw for him. But again, the racing gods, if they're smiling on him, he works out a good trip. He is going to make first move on some of the deeper closers. You know, the mile and a quarter is a big question mark for a lot of these, including him. But it likely odds of 20, 30 to one. Again, not just saying this because I'm rooting for the horse, but you know, he's got a little bit of a shot, I think. Well, I was going to say maybe maybe that synthetic win not necessarily puts doubt in people's minds, but I mean, maybe it does at the same time. You think he's going to float up then from 12 to one? Oh, yeah, he'll be higher than there's no question. He'll be higher than 12 to one. Uh, you know, Rich Strike, you know, used that race as a as a springboard of the Derby win. Um, a completely different scenario. Sure. I know Larry had said, I just think this race is going to be an easier race and I need to get the points. Uh, and it gave him an opportunity to regroup. You know, if you saw that workout at Hawthorne the other day, you know Hawthorne well, kind of more of a deeper, more tiring track with uh, more of a sandy base to it. He worked 59 and change and uh, worked with a, a sprinter that he was able to collar and uh, defeat pretty easily in that work. It was a great work. Horses come into the race the right way. It's another long stretch too, Hawthorne. Um, the the Japanese contingency. We talked um, uh, Breeders' Cup time last year. There weren't a ton of Japanese horses uh, back in November at Keeneland, but uh, we've got a couple here in the Kentucky Derby, the top contender being Derma Sodagaki. I think I'm saying that right. Um, kind of a mystery, right, to to American handicappers. You've really only been able to see him uh, in Dubai. So what do we know about this horse? 
he won in Dubai, he did it impressively, he did it on the lead when there wasn't a lot of speed in the race. Dubai, Maidan, speed favoring track. You could say that uh, that aided his victory, but in his previous races, he did stalk and rate from off the pace and show a lot of versatility. Um, some people love him. Some people are against him. I liked him at first. I, you know, I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to judging horse flesh. I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to judging breezes. I think I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm looking at. I just don't trust this horse mentally. He throws his head around unconventional training style. I know the Japanese have had a lot of success over the world, but they haven't had any success in the Kentucky Derby. They blew this horse out of furlong the other day and then pulled him up. And the horse was absolutely pissed off about it. Like, I don't know how that is not detrimental to his, to his psyche. Uh, he's going to have to be really good. Again, would I be shocked if he won? No, I'd probably be pissed if he did because I've been studying these horses in America for seven months. I got a really good handle on them. I don't have a good handle on him. I just know I don't really like the way he's presented himself in the mornings. And uh, you got to be with it mentally as much as physically to overcome everything you need to overcome to win the Kentucky Derby. Well, and if you're one for history and superstition, no horse breaking from post 17 has ever won the Kentucky Derby. So he's got that working against him, too. Um, <clears throat> we've talked about a lot of these contenders here, and I, I, there's 20 of them. I know you pay attention to the Derby Trail uh, for a good portion of the calendar year. Um, the pace scenario, we've talked a little bit about it here and there, not a ton of outright obvious speed in the race. What, what, how do you see that the first quarter mile, first you know, uh, three-eighths of a mile playing out? There's always surprises, but the way it maps out on paper, reincarnate's going to go, Jason's Road is going to go, verifying has to go from the inside. I don't think Tyler wants to lead. He'll take it if nobody else does, but he's got to, he's got to go from the inside. Kings Barnes is going to go. I think he can sit third or fourth. And I think that's his best chance to win. Although we did wire him out of the Louisiana Derby practical move. I think will go forward. I think confidence game can go forward. Then you got a, ho a host of horses that, uh, you know, are going to be in that second, third flight, Mage, Two Fills, Lord Miles, Dermasota Gake, Rocket Can. You know, those are the horses that likely are going to be in that second, third flight. You know, and then the rest of them are going to come from a little bit further off of it. You know, once the point system got put into place, most of the horses that have won the Derby since have been forwardly placed. Last year was a complete anomaly because they went 45 and one to the opening half epicenter made the winning move. I believe he was eighth early on. He made the winning move, but the pace was so fast that rich strike was able to win. That's not going to happen this year. I don't see any scenario where any of these horses are just not capable of doing it. None of these horses is going to go 45 and change. I really think, you know, if you had to ask me, you can hold me to this. I would say opening quarter, 46 and four. 
yeah, which is I, obviously more than a second slower than last year. I think this race is going to be won by a horse in the first or second sleigh. It, it seems to me, and, and maybe you disagree here, but the 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 Derby half mile is always faster than maybe it should be, just because there's such a race a lot of years for you know position going into that first turn that you know the the, the opening quarter just leads to a fast opening half, and then the race kind of slows down a little bit. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I, just think, think about it though, Brady. There's that long run into the first turn. They're running in a straightaway in the first. You know that. Horses are going to run faster in a straightaway than they're going to run on a turn, right? So in your typical two-turn race, part of that opening quarter is on a turn. So you're going to see a typical nine furlong race with good horses, you know, go 23 and 4, 47 and change. There's a long run into the first turn. It's on the straightaway. So the pace is going to be quicker. And then, you know, who's ever up front, you know, in that first flight, they look to slow it down on the backstretch. And that's where the race is going to be won or lost. Any uh, any live long shots that you picked out uh, when the when the morning line odds came out this morning? Well, Disarm is a horse that Steve Asmussen has loved from the beginning. You know, the greatest heartbreak of all last year for him when Epicenter looked like a winner and he gets caught by an eighty to one shot and nobody gave a chance to who drew into the race at the absolute last second, wound up savaging the outrider after the race. I mean. <laughs> You know, he hasn't won since, has he, Rich Strike? I mean, that nope. was a that was a fluke upon flukes. And, you know, you're talking about the greatest trainer of all time. One of them, for sure, in the conversation. Won 10,000 races. He'll win with a $5,000 claimer. He'll win multiple grade ones. And this year, he's playing catch-up with this arm. He... Runs second in the Louisiana Derby, thinking he has enough points to get in because in a typical year, 40 would get you in. They tweak the point system to award points in the top five. 40 is not going to get you in. You got to run in the Lexington. He runs third. And now he's training out of that race as well as he ever has. He should be coming up to the best race of his career. Steve compares him to Gunrunner, who ran third in the Derby several years ago, but wound up being one of the best older horses of all time. Is it too much too soon for Disarm? Is he going to be a better four-year-old? That's probably the best case scenario for him. But that doesn't mean that he can't win the Derby or at least represent well and uh, run in the top three. Um, Two fills, Disarm. Those are two of the long shots that uh, I'll be utilizing on all of my tickets. A couple of quick ones before we get you out of here. I know it's a busy week for you. Um, I was watching on Saturday. It was your your opening night. And uh, I think it was in the last race. There was a horse named Kansas Comet. And I was hoping for a Gale Sayers reference. But maybe 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 the locals wouldn't get a Gale Sayers reference there. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that, uh, now that you say it, uh, I kind of... Blew that one. I could have. Uh, I could have come up with it, but I'll tell you what: the level of my wit this week probably isn't at its highest. That's fair. Uh, you know, sheep is at a uh, sleep is at a premium. Um, being pulled in a lot of different directions, kind of sort of know what you're getting into. You know, once you hit uh, the end of the fairgrounds meet into uh, the early stages of April, so to speak, but. We should have a great meet at Churchill. Purses are at an all-time high. Field sizes were great. Uh, handle was way up on opening night. 
And the racing this week all the way through Saturday is going to be great. And then I'm not kidding you. I'll sleep till about 3.30 in the afternoon <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. Um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of where I was going with the next couple of questions here. The, the whole week is just jam-packed with, with excellent racing. Um, give us a quick synopsis of the Oaks on Friday. Yeah. Um, now that we got the post positions, got to reevaluate before I make my final selections. Wet paints the favorite in that race. She's a deep out the back closer for Cox, who's also got botanical. Um, horse I really like, but she's a wild card because she's raced on nothing but synthetics in her career. A big moment for uh, Chris Landeros, who gets the call. Brad Cox's son. Um, Bryson is uh, is uh, Chris Landeros's agent, so that would uh, be extra special for the family. Uh, I, I kind of like defining purpose a little bit. She won the Ashland as a long shot. That was a short stretch mile in the 16th, though. This is a long stretch mile in the 8th. So, you know, she's going to have to prove that she can get that at a distance, but she's going to be forwardly placed. Those are a few of the ones that I'm going to gravitate to. Still got to do my final evaluation. I don't think the Oaks is nearly as strong as some of the years we've seen recently, you know, with the likes of Malafat winning, uh, Lucas uh, winning it last year. You know, Nest running second and then going on to run second in the Belmont. So maybe it, maybe you take a price in the Oaks, but uh, I feel like I don't have nearly as good of a handle on that race as I do the Derby. Fair enough. Well, that's it's going to be an exciting an exciting race on Friday. Hopefully, the weather holds. The the last time I looked, it said maybe some rain on Friday, but um, either way, lots of excellent racing. Uh, last one before we let you go here. I know. The turf course at Churchill has been a point of contention for the last year and a half, maybe. When I watched a race there on, on Saturday, Joe, it's it looked pristine. What, what's what been the early return so far? Yeah, let's hope you're right. Uh, so far, so good. The horses trained over it. We had a couple races over it on opening day. You know, uh, they, they were surprised that the course didn't take hold sooner than it did. But management and the uh, advisors were always confident that eventually it would. And when it did, it would be one of the best turf courses in America. That was the goal from the beginning when they did the renovation to begin with. So, so far, so good. We'll see how things play out moving forward. But uh, we're off to a much better start than we were this time last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joe, I know you got a lot to do uh, the rest of the week, so we'll let you get back to it. Uh, I know you're not ready to make a selection yet, but Joey D.A.K. Racing on Twitter. I'm sure you'll post your final selections later on in the week as we are still six days away. You're fresh off the air. And I would say fresh off the air. I mean, two hours ago, we're drawing numbers for uh, for post positions for the Kentucky Derby. So thanks again, my friend, and uh, best of luck this week. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Always enjoy coming on. And uh, best of luck to all of you out there with the Derby, the Oaks, and all the great wagering that's to come at Churchill Downs this week, a tremendous wagering menu. Make sure you uh, maximize your best opinions and uh, hope uh, the viewers out there, the, the listeners out there, uh, cast some nice tickets. 